welcome to the show. Um, today you'll be listening to me being interviewed by a very funny comedian of the name Sayed Batshon, a Sydney guy. Um, he had me on his show, Sayed's Room, yesterday. Um, and he's also hosting uh, one show that I'll be a panel judge on called Dating is a Funny Thing on the 21st of November at the Chippo Hotel, formerly the Chippendale Hotel. Um, yeah, we talk about all things dating and Tinder and things like that. And we go off so, so many tangents. It's not funny. So uh, strap yourself in and enjoy. Hey, guys. Welcome to the show. Today, we have a special guest joining us. His name is Denzel Jones. Welcome, Denzel. That's lovely to be here. Thank you very much. No worries, man. So how are you going today? Good, good. It's been a long day, but you know, um, I was always looking forward to being here. It's good to see a, a comedian get me on board. I've never had that happen before. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. No, you're, you're welcome. Well, for those of you who don't know, Denzel is a dating coach. Is that how you would say? Yeah, dating coach. Yeah, for men. Yeah, dating coach. And um, he recently bought a mic, which I'm looking at right now. Yeah. And he's also going to be in my show that I'm hosting. It's called It's a Match. So basically, we review people's Tinder profiles up on stage. And tin- uh, Denzel is going to help us just check it out and see like what he can tell the dudes. Yeah, well, look, um, I think... Tinder is so goddamn huge at the moment uh, and has been for quite a while. It's pretty much the mega beast when it comes to online dating. Uh, I think a lot of guys are getting it wrong, you know, and like most online dating platforms, it is a sausage fest out there. So getting attention and getting, uh, you know, uh, swiped right on is, is tough for guys. So, yeah, I think this is going to be great. I've never done it live before. Like I've done it on the radio, but actually doing it face-to-face is a whole a new confronting thing. But, um, yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. So, like, Wait, what do you mean you've done it on the radio? What have you done? Oh, okay. So, um, 2UE's Talking Relationship show, uh, they had uh, a show with two people on there, and it was Melissa Ferrari. She was the psychologist on there and relationship counsellor. Um, and also we had uh, Jonathan Coleman hosting as well. Now, they used to uh, get me on and sort of give them a bit more of an edge when it came to the younger demographic. Um, any 2UE show, as, as most people in Australia would know, is sort of skewed at a higher, older demographic. Demographic, but you know, I just feel like you're never too old to really start getting into the online space. And and you know, um, some people f- might feel like, oh, well, maybe it's it's probably not the right place to to be. But I, I see a lot of people who are much older than they say they are, they are on there. So you know, it doesn't matter how you find love as long as you find it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, you know those series um, like the for dummies. Yeah. There was one that's like um, dating after fifty for dummies. And I read, like, the first 30 pages before I was like, why the fuck am I reading this? Like, Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> the world changes around you. And I think the, the old ways in which people used to meet, I just started, started to really dry up. Uh, so, like, if, if you can just tap in there and sort of hack the system, you know. Um, it's about getting exposure. It's about, like, anything in life. Um, if you want to be seen, you've got to learn how to do that properly in, in the environment you're in. So the world changes every day, and I think you just need to keep up with it sometimes. Yeah, true. And also, I like the idea of like a 50-year-old woman who always thought like, oh, I got to be married to one person. Now going, shit, I can just meet whatever. I can meet some Argentinian dude if I want to. Well, yeah. Like, I think there's definitely a demographic out there that has um, – there's, there's, they've had a bit of a lull in, in, in maybe going out and meeting people. And just this emergence of online dating has really reinvigorated their, their want to be out there because, um, you know, now, now like – I think a lot of guys in Australia are very shy compared to America. 
Um, you have this sort of Anglo-Saxon sort of way of being. Um, I think the English are very similar to us in that, in that sense. So most girls, I feel, don't get approached as much as they should in real life. But, you know, when it comes to keep being a keyboard warrior, I think there are a lot of romantics out there just bashing down the door. Um, sometimes with uh, unsolicited pictures, but it's okay. Uh, um, I think people who are older don't tend to do that so much. Okay. Yeah, I guess if you have an old dick, it's... <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, dicks are dicks. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's right. You can't really tell the dick's age, can you? Mm. You know? Um, it's just, you know, they're all kind of the same, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever like walked into an old man's dick, like when you were a kid or something? No, I never had that 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 opportunity. Yeah, never really, no, never you really had an opportunity. Yeah, That's... I don't know. It's just like uh, it's never really presented to me, so to speak. But um, I'm sure um, I'm sure they're all around in in like you know public bathing spaces and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they exist. I'm sure there are kids out there going, "What the hell? What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. In probably public swimming pools. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. What a tangent. I'm yeah. like <laughs> Well, I want to go back to the whole America thing because I didn't know that that American guys were more. Um... Yeah, yeah. Look, you understand. Um, in the world of dating, I think culture has a big thing to do with um, the way a way in which approach we approach these things. Like, um, I find like the most uh, no fat. Trim like totally trim back in dialogue happens in probably the Eastern Europe, European parts. Girls tend to go for guys who are a bit more um, sort of macho and 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 you know present those sort of typical alpha male qualities, and tend to don't really be beat around the bush, you know. Um, but on like the other spec- um, side of the spectrum, you've got South American. Um, culture where guys uh, can tend to be, might be a little bit flamboyant as well, tend to dance really well, tend to approach people on the street quite a bit. And so you've got that sort of on the, on the other side of the spectrum as well. So that is a crazy thing. But that also works its way up to the North, Northern, Northern American part uh, of the continent. And um, even my own experiences in the States, and I've been there a few times, um, I think you have this camaraderie when you go out with the boys, you know. Um, here in Australia, we have this tall poppy syndrome yeah um and i don't know if you've ever been out with australian guys trying to pick up but um you know they're trying to hack you down as much as possible and uh, i think uh, once upon a time once upon a time i picked up my friend on that and i said what are you what are you doing you're ruining every interaction that i'm having mm-hmm. and he was like well you know if i'm not getting laid you're not getting laid <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like you know we kind of sledge each other for fun, and uh, but it's really to the detriment of our own development in that space, you know. You kind of need to go out with guys who get it, you know, who understand that you have to kind of support each other and wing each other, quote-unquote, um, to really be successful in that space. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, yeah, like, after you've done your dating coach shit for a bit, mm-hmm. have you then taken one of your loser friends out on a night and helped them out with that shit? Yeah, look, it's... It's this thing. You don't understand that everybody can do with a wingman, right? At any level, right? So even the best guys uh, understand the value of being winged, yeah? Because no matter what, you're always going to have massive challenges, yeah? So I think with the guys, like I wouldn't call anyone losers, but just more more unsuccessful than others, um, those guys, I think you have to take a step back and look at the psychology behind why they're not even talking to anyone at all, yeah? Sort of break that down, make it a safe space for them to fail in, and that's how I'd probably start things, mm-hmm. yeah. I think um, understanding that your um, micro failures are part of your long-term success in this space is something that, um, you know, people really need to get into their heads, especially guys. 
because the onus is on them. Biologically, right, we are compelled to approach, yeah? Mm. I don't know if you've spoken to two groups of, you know, a group, a group of males or a group of females in a night, and, and you never hear a group of females going, oh, you know, I, you know, I try to chat up this many guys or approach this many guys. It just doesn't happen. It's all about why won't he come over and talk to me? You know, and vice versa. You got guys always going, "Oh, you know, I try to shout out to these many girl, girls," and they never ever say, "Why didn't she come over and talk to me?" Because their onus is just not on females, mm-hmm. especially in uh, this culture. Yeah, yeah. I remember one time where, um, like, so I, I was talking to a girl, and she was like, "My friend's just really horny tonight. She really wants to get late." Mm. And then I walked up to that, like, tried to find where that friend was, like, based on the description. Yeah. And then she did not seem interested to talk to people. Right. Like, maybe she wasn't interested in me. That's cool. But, yeah. like, she seemed really closed off to everybody. everybody. Oh, that's strange. Look, I think usually um, uh, there are some telltale signs of um, someone who's available. They tend to want to peel themselves off the group um, a little bit. So the ones that are not really paying that much attention to their friends, kind of looking around, looking to catch someone's eye. Um, you know, a girl that kind of wants to dance while her friends are not dancing. You know, someone who really wants to stand out. Um, bright, brightly colored dresses and, and whatnot. That's sort of the biggest telltale, telltale sign. Apart from a girl just being by herself mm-hmm. in a bar, yeah. Um, but also, you got to be careful with that because usually um, that doesn't happen. That's like kind of like this unicorn situation um, for a guy to be picking up a girl, you know. Yeah, especially in Australia, dude. Because yeah. they either go, they either go out with other girls or they go out with a guy, right? And um, sorry, one sec. Yeah, my sister needs a whiteboard marker. Uh, which color? Here, have two black ones. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you get guests. I like that. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I, the cameo appearances from the family. I like it. I like it. It's good. Um, so we're, we're talking about, the, yeah, the bar. Look, usually girls go out. Girls, um, you can't ever say, look, or maybe her friend is there and she's in the bathroom because girls go to the bathroom together. Yeah? Um, so you've got to look out for that other drink on the table, the, the bar, because usually that's a guy's. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So that's the only thing I'd be concerned about. Um... But yeah, definitely look for those other things. Um, good, strong eye contact is also, also always a big one. So I think it's one of the biggest ones. You know, um, that's why we always tell guys to to learn how to have good, strong eye contact when they talk to women or when they even look at women, um, because it shows social dominance. You know, and yeah. girls are attracted to that. But it's weird, right? Uh, this is what I've noticed as well. It's like if you're a little bit cute, it's a great thing and it's flirty. If you're on a bus and you're not a little bit cute, it's kind of creepy. So you need and that's why being well presented is very important as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, because no. the eye from a homeless person who smells like urine is not as flirty as he'd want it to be. Okay. What stood out to me is you said urine. Yeah. Everyone else I heard say urine. Yeah. Oh, look, I was just exaggerating that point, I think. Oh, right. right, 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 right. <laughs> a little bit of flair, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that because yeah. like – People have c- complained to me that I make really strong, like, intense eye contact. Well, it's, it's good, but you just got to learn, learn to temper it with maybe, like, a wry smile. Or don't, you don't want to be going in there with that game face. Because I think, look, to me, and I did that in inverted commas, is I think it's a bit of, it's, it's just a bit of shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Game face, like, we're looking really aggressive when you meet a girl. It's like, for attraction to happen, a girl actually has to feel safe with you. So coming up and in, having the game face on, so to speak, and... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, approaching that way usually is very intimidating. So you kind of need to neutralize that. And the best way I would say is just smile. The most confident people in the world introduce they smile and introduce them before they introduce themselves. Okay, sweet. Well, how do you rate my smile right now? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, but I think you gotta own it. Yeah, you gotta, own you gotta really feel like you're happy. 
you know, and it's hard to be a bit, it's hard to be angry or pissed off with yourself if, um, if you're smiling. It's one of those things you can't help. Yeah. And people smile back to you. It's just, it's contagious. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So, um, how long have you been in the game of dating coaching? Dating coaching? Well, I've been, I did the course myself from the School of Attraction course about four and a half years ago. Um, after a, a breakup that I didn't like so much, you know, kind of one of those line, land, uh, sorry, line in the sand moments uh, for me. And um, it, it was, I don't know, it's just one of those things where I decided that, you know, I was going to focus on this intently for the next year and just doing that really, really well, like better than anyone has ever done it. But I could, like, that to me was a bit of a pipe dream to start, start off with, but I just pushed myself so far that, um, they ended up asking me to to become a coach, you know, and then I did the coach's course after that, mm-hmm. um, and that was in within two years. So I've been for now two years coaching. Yeah. Damn, son, yeah. that's a that's a rapid. Because I heard about dating coaches who have been in the game for like fifteen years and shit. Yeah, you got there fast. Yeah, well, look, I got there fast because I took more risks than anybody else. You know, when people like are wanting to eject from um, conversations because they feel like. Um, you know, uh, the tension was a bit higher. They were feeling slightly uncomfortable. Like I really took it to the edge. Like I really pushed it to the point where maybe, um, you know, I would maybe borderline offensive sometimes, you know, um, just to get a taste for what failure was like, really sort of jumping off the cliff, finding that edge, you know, mm-hmm. where is the edge? What does that look like? Understanding what, what, what the scenario is before I, I, I do really, um, lose it. Um, and just that self-assessment and, and recalibration after, you know, every night out or whatever it is. And, and I really kept drinking down to a minimum. Um, that, that was really, I think, my, my saving grace. It's just my ability to understand that I had to re- reassess all the time, like why wasn't that working, you know, and just, re- you know, be like a student, really, mm-hmm. for, for a couple of years, you know. Um, it's, mm-hmm. It really is dedication. It was just dedication to the cause, like I said to myself, because in the past, prior to the course, I was a serial monogamous, like two, three years of relationships since I was eight, 17, 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized that those relationships were just uh, coincidental. And like I just happened to be sat, sitting next to someone in a party and it just happened to sort of fall into it. And, um, you know, I kind of got comfortable in those relationships mm-hmm. and uh, realized that none of these people were a, an actual conscious choice, more of a happy coincidence that I kind of just went along with and being able to finally be single in my late twenties. Um, well, it was, it was kind of very liberating. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like this was the late teens, early twenties that I should have had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I really just went balls to the wall, so to speak with it. And, um, I gave myself a year cause I thought I'd be in a relationship pretty quickly. And then I extended it to two and three, then four, because I was just having so much fun with it. And it was like a self-discovery thing for me as well. And I think for most guys, um, it's like you don't know what you want until you sort of go over there and try it. You know, you have to um, – the same with traveling. Like a lot of people go, oh, you know, these are my favorite places and these aren't. And kind of really sculpts their attitudes of the world and what they, what they, who they are and who they're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah, like self-discovery. Yeah. What do you think a girl's equivalent of that is? Like, how do you think a girl can achieve that level of being in control of her life? Um, depends on what they want to look at. Look, to me, for me, I think traveling is probably the number one thing you can do, right? For two reasons. Number one, obviously, you get 
exposed to totally different cultures, yeah? Um, you get to see lives um, that aren't your own, that aren't in the bubble that you were brought up in. You see attitudes and ideas that might inspire you to do different things. You get a real a good hit of what isn't the norm. But also as well, I think from a personal perspective and love and life and that sort of stuff, you tend to leave your inhibitions at home. You tend to not be the person you were, you know, um, when you feel like all your friends will be seeing the repercussions of your actions. So I think that anonymity of being overseas allows you to take more risks, and that's what I was talking to you about before, taking risks and understanding that no matter what, you're going to be fine, I think is that mentality that makes us the most confident when we're overseas. So... Um, I feel like that is probably a good starting place to go if you really want to understand who you are is stop sort of like sticking and this I think this is probably for men as well is stop sticking to the narrative that you were served up growing up and start creating your own path in some some respects mm-hmm. yeah it's like I don't know it's like you, you, you're born into, into a family which you can't choose you're born into um, a religion if you're, your family's religious you're born into a society and, and, and you tend to have a, a bunch of friends and um, I think you, we kind of like little house on the prairie mentality of just staying and be happy with that you know and look if you are like there's nothing wrong with that but for me it wasn't enough you know mm-hmm. um it was enough. I kind of wanted. I just. I'm a very curious person. I just wanted to dig and dig, dig and find out um, what the sort of capabilities of who I was. You know, I needed need to know what that felt like. And I feel like a lot of people need to do that to really understand who they are. Well, where what was your background? What kind of stuff did you like evolve from? Okay, so my my my, my mother's Colombian and my father's English, um, and I was born in Venezuela. I, I was brought here at the age of four. Um, my father is a graphic designer by trade and I also do the same thing, but I also do art direction. Um, but he wasn't as entrepreneurial as I was. Um, my mother was though pretty good with money and that sort of stuff. Um, at one, one stage she was, uh, the ambassador, no, the personal assistant to the ambassador of uh, Venezuela in China for a few years, you know? So it's the sort of level that she liked to reach and she liked to do it a lot. So high achieving, Always sort of like foot on the pedal, just doing, 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 doing. Yeah, right now is is somewhere pretty high up in Toastmasters. You know, public speaking. Um, well, I just want to real quick. What was it like? Do you know much about her experience being a Venezuelan in China? Well, she was Colombian, but yeah, she, oh, she my bad. Yeah. her her um her experience. I can imagine was very, very different. It's very chalk and cheese. You know, you got this uh, um, culture which is Venezuelan. It's a lot of lot of energy going on, a bit of a cow- cowboy country, you know, um, a lot of corruption and things like that um, versus um, what I could imagine is very uh, much more subservient culture um, and a lot of diplomatic events and things like that. So, yeah, I can imagine there were chalk and cheese. But I don't, I don't I haven't really dug that far into that into that part of her life. Yeah, yeah fair enough, man. Yeah. Well, but like, which part of China? Do you know? I have no idea. No, no idea. No, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. But, like, I think coming from that background, like, mother was always pushing, pushing, pushing. Like, that, she was always like, you know, you could do better, do better. And it's true, right? But on the other half, the other half of me is my dad who likes to relax and just chill out. So, like, I'm constantly on the polar opposite ends of myself, um, mm-hmm. just trying to make sure, like, you know, I have the anxiety of not doing things, but then I also get quite exhausted and want to just chill out as well. So I'm constantly just balancing the two and making sure that I feel like I'm doing enough, right, to, to, to sort of kick ass in my space. Yeah, dude, for me, yeah, breaks are important. Mm. Like, today I woke up, and I just sort of sat around until 3 p.m. That yeah. was it. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter how, how those breaks happen. But you understand, like, most of the most, most, of the most uh, 
influential people in in of of you know past centuries have have had erratic sleeping patterns. Um, so it's not all about early risers, you know, who get who get the bird, you know, the early worm, uh, early early bird gets a worm, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's not always about that. I think, um, and I, and I don't want to ever inflate our egos over here, but genius comes in many different ways, um, and inspiration. I think because you know you and your comedy stuff. Uh, it, it, it just comes when it comes. You can't force it. Like, obviously, you probably have a few hacks as to how to get the best out of yourself. But sometimes, you know, um, it, it just comes to you at different times. And, and inspiration is, is, is definitely, I think it's 90% of everything. It's the thing that motivates you to do and create. Yeah, for sure, man. Mm. Like, if you just, like, work 100 hours a week and you sleep fucking six hours or less than that, and you're like, I just got to keep grinding every single day. You feel like you're doing something, but, like... Like how much you're actually changing and evolving as a person. Yeah, that's especially if you don't like what you're doing, it becomes just stressful, you know. Um, but if you apply that same mentality to things that you love, you don't feel the stress so much because you just feel like you're doing what you wanted to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's for me, it's like what would I do for free, and then try and build a try and build a career out of it, and that's the dating coach stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think. Um, with the dating coach stuff, like, I don't know. I work in advertising my whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Trying to sell things to people that they didn't need in the fucking first place, right? Mm-hmm. And now I've got this sort of altruistic, sort of helping people, uh, guys with it, with it, you know, change their lives and their attitudes towards women and themselves. Um, and now I get emails and messages saying, oh, you know, you changed my life. So having that total flip where, you know, I'm, uh, you know, in the past was force feeding that, um, the consumeristic lifestyle versus now just really working on self and, and, and benefit, um, you know, and development. It's, it's just opened my eyes and I understand now why people give it all up and just become the, get on the board of UNICEF or whatever that is, you know, and try and help people or create a foundation or whatever, you know, it sounds yeah, cliche, yeah. but I never understood it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I get it. Um, so yeah, this is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. No, that's good, man. Yeah. I get it too, man. Yeah. I get that you shit. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you would. Because laughter is like food for you, right? Not for sure. Like yeah. I'm fucking around, but I do. Yeah, I do yeah. get it. Yeah. Also, I just want to know. Like, so a lot of actually dating coaches I've noticed have testimonials about how a dude went to their school and then fucked thirty women that night, nah. and then married. Yeah. No, but yeah. what were you gonna say? Uh, I just don't think. I just, I just think counting the, the lay report or like, was it the, uh, the the count of how many people you've had lay report or whatever that is. You know, and I've seen it out there. I see that all the time. I just don't. I just think it's crass. I just th- I just think it's really that that aspect that sort of uh, toxic ma- masculinity uh, that that bit right there is what makes girls cringe, and is I, I think it's really what what it's not about. You know, I think what we're teaching guys uh, at School of Attraction is is very much. Um, a big win-win situation for both males and females. We have a lot of female reporters come and chuck us out, and you know I think we need them have that sort of open door policy for everyone to see what we're doing, um, because it keeps us number one, it keeps us honest, but it, it proves to the world that not everyone in this industry uh, are charlatans and you know chauvinistic males just trying to get their quote unquote Indian. So um, they're Indian. They're what? Indian. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, the thing briefly interrupted. Yeah. Okay. So that's more, yeah, more of an Australianism right there. Right, right. Yeah. Also, but yeah, my point was, you interrupted me, man. Sorry. That's okay, yeah. Um, you're a fast talker. Like, you're so fucking intense. <laughs> you're a fun dude, but like, damn, you should meditate. I do. That's oh, that's why I do meditate. Oh, okay, that's cool. But anyway, yeah, fuck, meditation's great, right? 
But anyway, yeah, so my question was, even though I'm sure you've had a lot of positive messages about dudes who have have had, you know, either had laid or fucking, or got mirrored or something, what are some of the worst messages you've gotten? Um, I don't, because of the type of guys that we get in, I mean, I, I love 99% of the guys we get in, into the course because they're usually nice guys, yeah? And it's kind of, they're on the two opposite end of the spectrum. They're, they're probably so nice that they've, let themselves down in one of one of a few many ways in in their love life. So they tend to be more people pleasers um, to the detriment of themselves. So I very rarely have anyone that I, that I dislike and and give and gives us bad bad reports. Really, um, I think they tend to just they're, they're probably not in the space of really speaking up and creating conflict in that in in that you know, in their headspace. It's something they probably not they probably don't like. Yeah, so I don't hear much of it. It's like unsung stuff, really. Mm. Uh, fair enough, yeah. Yeah, I just remember, like, in my university, there was one dude who, uh, who was, uh, who, like, did your course as a journalistic thing, and he was kind of snarky about it, but I can't remember. I actually I can't remember. Im- yeah, I remember, I remember him. He, um, um, who's that, he's that blonde guy who used to, he's a great writer um, and he used to um, interview all the inmates and stuff like that. He's a blonde guy with the glasses. Seymour, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman just recently. Uh, um, he used to play Capote. There we go. Truman remind, Capote. Yeah, 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 remind me of him. That was the guy who was there. Oh, yeah. yeah, kind of didn't want to talk too much about things. Like, didn't want to put a smile on. I feel like, um, I feel like he had his mind made up before he walked into that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I'd say a lot of people who do do these like things come in with an agenda. Oh, yeah, and look, if you're doing university newspaper, you kind of want to make sure a name for yourself and some clickbait-esque headlines. You know? mm. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you mentioned before that you do want to avoid like toxic masculinity and shit like that. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't help anybody, you know. I think, um, you know, and it's just a big, big example. Like we have a list of Ten Commandments, right? And the strongest one that I love the most is you need to leave, leave someone... Uh, female better than you found them you know like show value add value to their lives in some way you know even if it's for a short time um you know engage and light them up so to speak so like i just feel like that if i had to pick the the one that i like the most that kind of just encapsulates what we do so succinctly um it's a win-win it has to be a win-win you know um and i think um most people feel like it's an us versus them situation yeah, and I just don't believe that's true at all. I just th- feel that it's a lack of understanding that makes us go, you know, um, oh, women are all like this, or men are all like, you know, what I mean? like that battle of the sexes. Um, I think you need to be more like the French, who, you know, vive la différence, which is, um, you know, pretty much understand that men and women are different and just celebrate those differences. Dude, French should be one of those top ten commandments. Speak French. <laughs> just speak French, yeah. Just speak French or Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Si, senor. Si, senor. Muy bien. Muy bien. But yeah, I was going to ask you something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I wasn't. I was going to make a point, yeah. which is that, like, yeah, I think knowledge is so important. Because if you look at YouTube videos, like, there's a really great comedian named Patrice O'Neill, mm. and he does a bunch of rants about women. And they're fucking hilarious. You know, mm. that dude's a great comedian. Mm. But the comments section is like, man, fuck women. Women are shit. Women are blood-sucking whores. They just want your money. It's... Mm. Um, look, there are men that are the evil ones and there are females that are evil and, and people that have agendas, you know, and I want to execute because they've done something bad's happened to them or they're just not a good person. So uh, that's not gender specific, but the techniques in which we use are different. 
yeah, because we have different, you know, quote-unquote powers. I know. I think the things that sway women on a man's side are very different to, to what sways a man from a woman's perspective. Um, I think women are probably far more psychological than the, the simple brain math of a, of a man. So, um, look, I, after doing this course, I realized, you know, more and more as I went on more dates and met more people, I realized that um, oh, women are actually better than men in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like what? Okay, so like fundamentally, just if you just brought it right down to what we have the most of, which is testosterone, and then, you know, um, on the other end of that, um, women are just absolutely sweet as pie, you know? So if we, you've left us to our own devices, no laws, no anything like that, look at the men's, the men's world, it's just going to be filled with death, rape, and pillage, right? And look at the female world, they'll probably end up making it into this massive, amazingly beautiful utopia, you know? Because they just care more than men care about things. Yeah, I guess it'd be interesting to look at male and female prisons to see how they act around each other. Uh, well, I, I think, I don't know, if we've all done the Nat Geo or Discovery Channel, look at, at that stuff, and I can guarantee you the, female, the male prison is like a million times worse. Mm-hmm. I actually have no idea what women in prison is like. I just watched Orange is the New Black, but I've never seen like any documentaries or some shit. Do you think it's... I, like, I, I didn't like Orange is the New Black, but maybe because it is a, a female-skewed show... What are you? What did you learn from it? Like, because I could feel, I feel like the more realistic they can make it, the better it's going to be. So I reckon it would actually be pretty accurate. Yeah, it was. I didn't like it either. Actually, I'm. I lasted six episodes. Wow, six episodes. That's yeah. a long time for someone who didn't like it. <laughs> I had free time then. I had a lot of free time. That's excellent. But yeah, there was the the reason I stopped. It just got so fucking goofy. So there was an episode where um, she was trying to get like a business deal going off like out of prison. Not out of, like not a deal to get out, but a deal that is outside of prison mm. to connect with her outside life. Mm. And then in prison, there was a chicken in their yard somehow. And she was like, I got to find this chicken. And she's like, there's a chicken. And then I was like, no, I don't know there isn't. You're a dumbass. And she's like, no, I got to find this chicken to prove everyone that I'm cool. And then while on the phone, she finds the chicken walking by. And then she hangs up the phone with the business person and runs after the fucking chicken. And I'm like, what a fucking moron. <laughs> So that's why... <laughs> yeah, that does sound a bit goofy, actually. But I can imagine, like, uh, in, in a jail, things get a bit polarized and things that aren't really important become super important. Like a chicken. Yeah. Also, maybe it's a metaphor for chasing cock. There you go. Oh, shit! I didn't even think about that. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm analytical, bro. Oh, look at you go. Wow. You, got, you should be, like, some sort of, like, movie critic or something. I reckon you should do it just for fun and just do, like, outrageous ones. Mm-hmm. Out- outrageous reviews. Yeah, I actually like, this is kind of fucked up, but I did like a, I didn't publish it anywhere, but I did, yeah, that's a good point, I will at some point, or maybe not, but anyway, it's like a review of Orange is the New Black, where I talk about, not Orange is the New Black, 13 Reasons Why, and I talk about how the show is against race mixing, basically because like so many people in the show who are mixed race are just fucking assholes. Meanwhile, the male, the white female protagonist and the white male protagonist are the nice people who get victimized. 100%. You should definitely do a rant on that. I think it should be a part of your podcast, you know, where you go like, okay, I'm doing a rant, right? And this topic for today's rant is this. If you don't like this, then don't bloody listen and just, you know, mm-hmm. you know just, just get it out of your system mm-hmm. and that's content for you. Dude, yeah, for sure. You should definitely do that. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of shit already, dude. Yeah, I'm already I'm publishing. Gonna... Okay, wow, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. I definitely have to read up some more, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
also just like for people who, who thought about 13 reasons why i recommend you just pause this and just think about what i said because if <laughs> have you seen the show no i haven't i haven't i don't even know what it's about oh that's well um yeah this is a story about a teenage girl from high school who kills herself yeah and then she releases 13 tapes no way like eight tapes or something like that and all because tapes have two sides ah, right, right, right. and each side is one of the reasons why she killed herself wouldn't that be 16 reasons why then well, I don't know. Uh, it was 13 and then like six tapes or some shit. Seven tapes. Well, I, well, 13 is not divisible by two. Anyway, it's a technicality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, one of the last tapes was like blank on the other okay, side. Okay, there you go. There you go. So it's definitely six tapes. No, seven tapes. Yeah. Seven. It would be... Yeah. S- yeah. This, this took us a while to figure out. <laughs> I'm not good with math, man. It's okay. It's okay. I'm sure, I'm sure the truth is in there somewhere in that statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so she blames a bunch of dudes for why she killed herself. And she did it cryptically through tape. Yeah, and then she get, like, so the guys would pass on the tapes to each other. Oh, right. Oh, shit. So what time, what era are we looking at here? Tapes are pretty old school now. Oh, actually, well, like, this was a modern show, but she was trying to be all old school, so that's why she uploaded it to a tape. Well, I don't think I I even have a tape player anywhere in the house. Yeah, and you're like... 30, right? 32, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I grew up with a chin. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite tape? Uh, actually, it was one of my first uh, tapes that I ever got. It was Best of Chuck Berry. My dad gave it to me because he's into blues music. I really liked that one. Didn't he die recently? Yeah, he did. Aww. Yeah, but if you think about the rest of his life, about him, like, you know, um, having sex with minors and, you know, all the other shit he did, it's probably, like, you know, he lived a pretty out there life. And it's crazy. It's fame covers all discrepancies. And anything bad that you've ever done, you get famous enough and then people just like, yeah, but what about the music? You know, um, uh, you, everyone forgets that Elvis you know, also had sex with minors and stuff like that. So I think it's one of those things. If you get famous enough, you can just get away with anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't even need those Ten Commandments if you're famous. Well, look, I just think, <laughs> I just, I just think um, that's just the general rule of law. No, not something I personally endorse. Uh, or oh, school of attraction, but um, it just seems to be the one thing that people tend to get away with, isn't it? Yeah, especially like old black and white celebrities. Yes. Oh, yeah. No one's remembering anything like that. And like I think chauvinism and sexism was like rife back in those those days. Like I think it still is in lots of parts of the world. Um, it's just like you know because of social media and the, the prevalence of being able to broadcast from anywhere at any time, um, and people are just becoming more and more exposed for who they really are. Yeah, like, you know who was a fucking asshole? Picasso. There you go. See? But who hears that stuff? Nobody. Yeah. They just know about uh, the fucking old 13-year-old boy paintings. that he, Not like paintings that look like they were done by a little boy. Mm. Well, there you go. They look yeah. fucking stupid. Well, you know, it, I think our beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, they look pretty cool. I'll, I'll give him that. He's a dick, but he had some really good paintings. Yeah, some good ideas. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, 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 I like him very much so. So Chuck Berry. What is Chuck Berry's style? I've never actually heard any of his shit. Um, it's all 12-bar blues stuff. You know? I ironically did a song called My Dingling. My Dealing? My Dingling. It was a toy that his grandma gave him. Oh, that's weird. Won't you play with my dingling? My dingling. Jesus Christ. sing. Yeah. When I was a little itty boy, my grandmother gave me a cute little toy. You know, 
It's probably not his famous one. He did um, um, that song that was on Back to the Future, um, Johnny Be Good. You know? I've probably heard it if yeah. you play the song. Yeah, like, you know, I don't have a guitar. And I don't know how to play it. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> it sucks on two counts. Yeah, I have a ukulele, though. Oh, hey, wow, we could jam out on that, maybe. I don't know. No. Actually, can you play that? No, I can't. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, he was... Um, he was quite the, uh, I don't know, he was big in, big in the States, but um, yeah, just did a lot of bad things, hey. Just things you couldn't get away with. And you all have to also have to look at social context as well. Things that like um, weren't law about 100 years ago are definitely law now, you know, so. Mm. Societal norms and attitudes change, you know. Yeah, and I think like there is some issues with some famous black celebrities who people want to forgive because either they feel guilty about being racist for accusing them or because they're black and they don't want their heroes to be knocked down. Well, I don't think anyone wants their heroes to be knocked down. Like, I was like, I'm still a big believer that MJ didn't do anything wrong. But, like, you know, he just lived in a bubble his whole life. He just didn't know what kind of looked weird and what didn't look weird from the outside world, you know. And um, people, you know, the uh, the DA, um, I think it's a Hollywood DA. I don't know what it was. You know, someone had a vendetta, I reckon. And, uh, yeah, he made it, he didn't make it easy for himself. <laughs> no, yeah. But I'm just like, he was the most entertaining pop star of like, or entertainer uh, of uh, like any type, um, of like our generation. Like, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again. Yeah. And I don't think there's like been in the last 15 years, a guy star as cool as him. Well, I don't think anyone like, you know, he, he just was a pioneer in so many ways. Um, you know, people like, People like fainted and screamed and pissed themselves and at their concerts, like really lost their minds, like well and truly lost them, like like nothing since the Beatles. Like he really, um, you know, blew people's minds. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching like a YouTube video of um, a Freddie uh, was it Freddie Mercury, Mercury concert, yeah. yeah, and it was so fucking sad, like like lame for me to watch it on my phone, like oh cool, it's a little stadium. Like, back then, it would have been fucking sick. Like, Freddie Mercury, but I'm just watching it on my little fucking Oppo phone. <laughs> yeah, it kind of takes the um, the grandeur out of it, doesn't it? Seeing it through a little matchbox screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it would have been amazing. What's the biggest concert you've seen? Biggest concert? Or one of the... I don't, one I don't... of the biggest concerts. I don't know. Like, one of the best... One of the ones that I'm just never going to forget for the rest of my life is when I saw Prince a couple of years ago. Just it was like pretty much a couple of months before, a few months, three months before he died. So that was for me. It's just been so fresh in my mind, and it was so intimate. So it's good. Just, fresh know. Prince. Oh, yeah. See what you did there. See what you did there. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Really, amazing. and that guy just, just such a sexual human being as well. Like you know, just really just didn't hold back and I think um, you know if you look at the comments and the ways people sort of paid homage to him um, he really uh, just showed people like the same way in which David Bowie did I think I could imagine how to be like how to express themselves and not feel like restricted by societal um, you know, gender gender expectations you know like he was wearing some weird shit you know and you just wouldn't expect any man to wear and he just didn't care and I think um, that, ex- that expression was enviable at the time because he was just a, a pioneer in that space too. Mm. not just an amazing musician like a plethora of instruments like under his belt that he could play but just you know he just really was on the edge as well someone who's really pushed, pushed the, w- what a pop star should be 
Yeah, no, that's cool. Also, I've noticed that, like, the most famous, um, like, artists, like, male artists in the 80s and 90s were very flamboyant. But the most famous, like, comedians, especially today, are just lame dudes in black shirts or maybe a suit. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about you talk about them in the same breath because, um, okay, in the 80s, like, it's always been my favorite era. Like, if I could grow up as a teenager and... and, and I think I was I was always born maybe twenty years too late. Um, I would have loved to have just been in full flight during that time, you know, um, of uh, shoulder pads and sequins, like just all that stuff, ponytails, mullets, just you name it. Dude, you'd rock a mullet. Oh man, no, yeah, because be that curly mullet, like um, yeah, curly mullets. Why not? What's his name? Uh, he does that. The TV show in the States and he was riding jet skis and stuff. He used to be like a professional baseball player in that show. What's it? He's bound and down. Do you know that TV oh, yeah. show? I've, I've watched like the first two episodes. Oh my God. You got to do it. The, 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 the humor in that was just out of control. Anyway, that's the sort of mullet that I'd be rocking. Yeah. Um, and yeah, anyway, I'd absolutely enjoy it. But you were talking about, sorry, about artists and comedians from that time. Um, I think the comedian... Um, Okay, number one, it was really hard to get a special in the 80s, yeah? It was hard to get what? A special on yeah. HBO or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Comedy didn't really have the spotlight that it does now, right? I think a lot of industries don't, you know, have really blossomed due to technology. But you have, um, you know, a time where we kind of felt like news was a little bit more trusted, mm-hmm. even though, like, you know, we kind of had a little big trust in corporate America and it kind of fell off at the back of the 80s. Um, but, like, you had this nice sort of coupling of this emerging space when it comes to comedy, right? And then the 90s, that really sort of you started getting that roll-on effect. But now, because news is just so fragmented and you don't know what's the truth, and the, you, you actually turn to comedians for honesty. So you turn to these guys who um, pretty much are the voice of the world at the moment and are the only people that you can truly trust to come up and say the things that they need, that, that we we need, that people need to hear, you know? Like, let's just talk about um, you know, with the amazing amounts of mass shootings that have been happening over the last two to three years, Jim Jeffries is all over the goddamn place, right? Maybe because of just one segment he did about gun laws, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I just feel like these people are now, like, s- comedians and the people that, uh, you know, you, uh, mm-hmm. the people we've turned to to really represent the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys are now really getting a, a, a big voice. And so, I like, I think... To me, right, I think you have a bigger voice than pop stars and stuff like that because the intellect of the comedian, I think, far exceeds the musical intellect. It's not comparable to musical intellect, you know? You can be a musical genius and still be totally disconnected with the world. As a comedian, you have to be totally connected with the world. You have to be totally connected with your audience on an intellectual level. So I think, um, you know, it's really, really interesting where those two professions have gone you know you're both on the stage but i think now one has a far 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 greater role uh, in society than the other now yeah yeah it's interesting to compare like jim jeffries to um eminem's rap have you seen that yeah, shit i've seen it and uh look it's nice and everything but i just don't think it would have had the power that anything jim jeffries has done because it's accessible to anyone that understands english you don't just have to like rap right to get it right because I reckon, I'm going to be totally honest with you, after about you know, 10 to 15 seconds in, didn't listen to the rest of the rap. You know what I mean? And Eminem's done some amazing stuff, don't get me wrong, right? But um, he didn't have me entertained and laughing the whole way through. You know what I mean? 
Um, I think there's definitely an amazing skill in, um, you know, uh, addressing issues uh, and really addressing issues in the world, and but also making seeing the, the funny side and light side of things. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing talent. It's, and I think it's been totally undervalued. In the same way in which Eddie Murphy said um, he didn't understand why he couldn't win an Emmy for being funny, I totally I, 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 I think it's stupid. Like, why can't he win awards for being funny? You know, you have to do a serious role before you win anything. Or Academy Award, I think it was. I think it's bullshit. Oh, like, you can't, why you can't win an Oscar for being yeah, funny? Yeah, you can't. Since when? No, one, no one's ever won an Oscar for being funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shit, you, right? you, yeah, you can win an Emmy for being funny. Oh, uh, maybe that's it. Sorry, an Oscar. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The uh, Oscars are you can win an Oscar for being for having the best short documentary, for the best editing, for the best. Um, uh, yeah, actually, I don't know much of the awards. Ah mm. uh, man, I just I just think of the last the movies that really affected me in the last, you know, fifteen years or so. And I just remember when Borat the movie came out, I was like. I couldn't believe the absolute stitches I was in. I was like, nothing has ever made me laugh this hard. It's got to win something. And I was kind of thinking, shit, mm-hmm. it's not going to win anything. Mm. <laughs> Probably maybe an MTV musical, MTV like video award or something like that, like People's Choice, whatever. I don't know. That's funny you mentioned that because Sacha Baron Cohen like uh, presented at the Oscars. And at one of the Oscar ceremonies, he was dressed as another character he did. General Aladdin. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he, right. yeah, and he held Kim Jong Il's ashes and he threw them at Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> Hilarious, love it. Yeah, yeah. That dude's like that's fucking great, man. Like, he because all Hollywood people are like, we got to take this award ceremony seriously, and he's like, nah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah right. There you go, man. And look, I think um, that that light. I think that light of truth in I don't know, it, uh, comedians just cut through the shit. You know what I mean? It, you know, it just. It's just you that hashtag real talk coming out of comedians that I, I just think is uh, unbridled. It's unfiltered. It doesn't have CNN with an agenda splant, you know, on it, and it doesn't have all this other stuff. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I think I like. I feel like almost I have job security with comedy. You do. You do. One hundred percent. You one hundred percent. But you also, I think, um, there's an expectation. I don't know. I just, I just think people turn to comedians now more than they ever have done. You know, I think. I think uh, you're you're here at the right time, yeah. Um, it actually, would have been better for you to be around like the last ten ten years ago or something like that, because then you would have been able to take advantage of um, what I'd like to be, what I'd like to consider probably um, the attention grab. You know, you would have been able to cut through it. Now everyone's got access to videos and YouTube and whatnot; they can promote themselves. So if maybe you're on top of things ten years ago, you'd probably make a space for yourself that it wasn't there now. But even though everyone has access to this shit. It's not everyone, almost zero people. I'd say there's like a thousand people in the world who have a balance of both telling real shit, like real fucking honest, this is what you need to be hearing shit, and also having the finesse to say it in a funny way. No, yeah, it's tough. Like, there's different degrees of it. Like, um, just instantly, just just recently, I went to see Chris Daly at the Factory Theater. Oh, I saw him too, dude. Oh, yeah, man. Amazing, right? Amazing, like, but then I remember, like, when I saw Russell Brand, and there's a discernible difference in the quality that you're getting. Maybe because Russell Brand is quite an intellectual as well. Um, you've got that. Wait, you said Russell Brand? Yeah. Oh, for a second, I thought you said Russell Peters. I was no, like, he's not no, fucking intellectual. No, 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 Russell Brand. Um, he's quite idealistic, and he has a lot of um, political things that he wants to say, and sorry, spiritual things too. Um, 
but yeah, like I don't know my 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 heroes always growing up have been comedians, and only just recently have I realized that's a great thing because um it means number one you just you giving people um a great thing and that's nice laughter you know and happiness, but also as well as we talked about before that responsibility of you know just saying it how it is you know and being honest and pure with what it is that you're projecting so interesting. What do you think of Russell Brand? What have you seen from him? Ah. Oh. I think I may have seen every single Trues episode he's ever made. Um, I've read he read his books. I haven't read the, read the, the last two. I think the addiction one. I think it's another one prior to that. But um, oh yeah, just just a pleasure to read his stuff. You know, I think you know if you can imagine like someone not well, like Jimi Hendrix or someone riffing on a guitar and really just having fun with it, right? If you ever see him talk, he just does the same thing with language and words. He just it's like he's constantly just having a bit of a solo, you know, just kind of just expressing himself, which is great. I think that unfiltered, unbridled expression, I think is where we we mostly all want to go. And I think I might close the loop here a little bit. Is um, so if you learn the rules of let's just say mousetrap the game, right? You don't learn the rules to know the rules to make Wait, sure. You... Mousetrap, what's yeah, that? It's a, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game that board game. You know, that has the moving parts. Okay. okay yeah, Let's yeah. just say chess or maybe something else that's a bit more fun, right? Um, you don't learn the rules to know the rules. You learn the rules so you can have fun playing, playing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing is, and the stuff that we teach at School of Attraction is we teach you the parameters so then you can take it and break it and do it yourself. Like, have your own brand of attractiveness. So, like, for me, I'm very out there. Um, I feel incredibly... Um, I'm boisterous as hell, but then I've got a lot of clients who are very introverted, and, and so they need to approach their own development in a very different way, and so I have to tailor the way they learn their things. But it's we teach guys, you know, the potholes that you shouldn't be, you, I don't want them to fall into, and the usual things that will, you know, get them you know, stuck in an interaction with a woman, and we get them to sort of navigate those things, but then truly express themselves and be intimate um, and, and allow, to, allow them to expose themselves, not physically, but just emotionally to women and connect on that level, you know. Um, and then um, if you really get really good at what you're doing and you really enjoy what it is um, that we teach you, you tend to just get to a point where you just express it in yourself. And I think for everyone... Um, that's what I would love for the end result for every client that I have is they just feel like they're expressing themselves the anxiety around the approach of the woman or um, you know the, that whole what what is going to happen or the question mark that is created by anxiety like I would just like to really iron out that kink so much that um, I think guys look at the opportunity more than the pain alright let's say you get to um, teach a small course for kids in like year 5 or some shit to tell them how to deal with um, the opposite sex, like for both sides, what would you teach those kids? I think at that age, you're not even you're not even aware of sexuality at the time. I think there's a lot of people out there that want to argue that point. Uh, oh, they're aware. <laughs> uh, there is. You get camps for young kids who um, who are gender fluid, so to speak. Um, they haven't decided on what they are, but I'm just like, man, you don't really know that stuff till you're in your teenage years, what you are and what you like, what you don't like. And even then, you know, there's plenty of guys trapped in the closet well into their 30s. Um, you know, not like R. Kelly, but, you know, like literally don't even know where they're at. Um, but, yeah, I, I would just, I, I mean, it's the thing. It's hard to talk about sexuality. I think you to talk about just respect, you know, and sort of ingraining uh, fundamental things that you think most people, everyone needs to have. I think it's. Um, I don't think you need to really address sexuality so much to a five-year-old, but more so. Oh, I said year five, just to clarify. Year five. 
Sorry, I thought you meant five-year-olds. Oh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> my bad, dude, yeah. Uh, year five, so t- like, what are we talking about? What age are we talking about here? Uh, you're 12. When they're 12, that's year seven, so yeah. 10. 10? 10, yeah. Oh, look, um, I think don't be – I think learn, mm-hmm. empathize. Um, I'm trying to understand – I think understanding is going to be the biggest, the biggest bridge you can make. Like, there's, there's a lot of people out there, and I think it happens to me in my relationship sometimes as well. I think misunderstanding creates the biggest, biggest gap between people, you know? Um, sounds a little bit cliche, but it's true. I think when we stop empathizing and we stop trying to um, see the perspective of that other person, is that's when we start sort of really projecting from a selfish point of view. Um, and, and instead of it becoming that win-win, it's, it becomes that me versus you. You start taking sides and, and that's not what you want to be doing. So yeah, um, understand understand that you, you speak a very different language sometimes and um, yeah, I think be curious of that. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably, probably what, I would, what I would say. Mm-hmm. Like create more reasons to understand than to divide. Like yeah, I think we naturally want to lash out at things we don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, and it's easy for us to just point the finger. Mm-hmm. I think Point the finger at yourself first is probably the biggest thing I would say. Mm. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, so we've been talking for an hour. Yeah. Before we uh, wrap it up, let's briefly talk about School of Attraction. Yep. Tell us, what what is your um, elevator pitch for School of Attraction? Well, it, fundamentally, we're like, get, the, get, get a girlfriend, yeah? I think most guys just want to get good at selecting a decent partner for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That's that's the fundamentally what we we give now. It is, um, I would consider to be like eighty five percent a self development course, um, because you need to work on yourself. You need to be a better man to to attract a better woman. I think it's one of those things where you, that's just an, a law of of the energies out there. It's like you attract like for like. You know, if you don't have a good picture of who you are, um, you're not going to attract someone that's going to fix you. Um, you're kind of going to attract someone that's on your at your own level. So um, I think it's about you know ripping out the bad wiring and uh, um, reinstating a new, um, new self-belief system and one that you think you deserve, yeah, and um, getting and having coaches to help you, know, help you hold your hand all the way through the process and mm-hmm. make sure that it's smooth for you, that you're learning and you're not just hitting your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. All right, sweet, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you can catch Denzel at School of Attraction and also at a show I'm hosting. It's called It's a Match. It's on the 21st of November. At the Chippa Hotel, you'll I'll have a That's link. The Chippendale Hotel, is that right? Yeah, it used to be the Chippendale, and now yeah, like it's called the Chippa. Like yeah, officially they've changed the name of the venue. To the Chippa Hotel. Yeah. Hmm, okay, it's good to know. They're trying to be cool and hip and hippo. <laughs> hey, <laughs> your boy got puns. That was good. I like it. Thank you. But yeah, so you can check it out at 7:30 p.m. 21st of November. School of Attraction. Well, the links will be down below. Yep. Schoolofattraction.com. Yep. Yep. au as well, I think. We got both. Don't you worry. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have .org? Uh, no. No. Oh, you're fucked, dude. Yeah, I know. Someone's going to come in and take that, and now we're going to be screwed. Mm. Oh, well. Mm. It was nice while it lasted. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> so we'll end it with a new segment I like to call Bop It. So okay. C- can you grab that Bop It over there? Yeah. So we're going to end the interview. Is, it, is this a Bop It? Yeah, we're going to end the interview. So you Bop It. So when it tells you to bop, you bop. When yep. you twist, twist and pull. Bop it to start. Okay. And so we're going to end with him playing the bop it. You can stop. There's no more talking. So, just... what I, so what I do, I just hit this thing? High score, mm-hmm. zero. Yep. And then what do I do now? Bop it. Twist it. 
Yeah, you're supposed to do other. All right. Drink it. Pull it. Hammer it. What? You know, like you're hammering a nail. Oh shit. High score, nine. Nine. Was that? Did they kick us or what? No, that was terrible. Oh, was it? Thanks for the high score, though. I don't know. I reset the thing. You unplug it from the wall. It's cheating. No, I I took out the batteries. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Have a nice day. But. Bye, guys. See you later, guys. If you have any interest in um, any products that we are selling, um, go to schoolofattraction.com. Um, we, do, we do a one-night course. We do a one-day course. Uh, if you're interested in coaching as well, Skype coaching, we do that as well for a lot of people who are in the state. Uh, so there's a whole host of things we can do. Just give us a call. We're happy to answer any questions, even an email, whatever you want to do. Um, and, yeah, we'll get you next time. Bye.